Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that is related to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be at this holy place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. Allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break the chains of all evil and sin that holds us captive. May in this service be cursed all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, covetousness. All of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, O Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your redemption and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit. Allow us to discover your shining countenance. I lay the service in your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated.
Psalms, chap Psalms chapter 112, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. To fear the Lord and to love the commandments of God with all of our might and strength means to fulfill the commandments of God and find in this fulfillment satisfaction and contentment. In other words, those who fear the Lord will desire and thirst to fulfill the commandments of God. This will be his food and his drink, because it is impossible to love the commandments of God and at the same time to not have the fear of God just like it is impossible to have the fear of the Lord and at the same time not love the commandments of God with all of our strength. These two components are never separate from one another because they are the contents content of one fruit which is called wisdom from above. The wisdom of God dwells or comes only in those hearts or only in those souls that, play, that pay a coinciding price for this. Upon fulfilling the commandment of God, this is expressed in search for the face of God. So a person, in fulfilling the commandments of God, continually searches for the face of God. And in doing so, he gives God the right or the foundation to show for him his goodness or his gratitude, because of which the seed of this kind of a person will become strong. Again, we're talking about the seed, his word, becomes strong and is viewed by God as righteousness that dwells forever. And the definition of the phrase, his descendants will be mighty on earth, means strong will be his word on the earth, or the strength of his word on the earth will coincide with the strength of the word of God that comes from the mouth of God. Whereas the definition of the phrase, the generation of the upright will be blessed, means the fruit of the lips from the seed of a strong word of those of the righteous at heart will find grace in the eyes of God. And the result of such relations with God will be the abundance in riches or the grace in the house of the righteous man, which in the subject of truth and righteousness will become his achievement and will become a guide to him into eternal life. And of course, in order to understand and in order to show God that we love his commandments, it is necessary for us to do something because the fulfillment of the commandments is already an action. It's not just a word 
But behind every word is an action. If I proclaim that I love God, but I don't act like it, if I don't have evidence of this, then my words are in vain. And we know that the first commandment that I love God is an honoring God of tithes and offerings. Let people not lie to themselves who somehow finding some kind of places of scripture and ripping them out of context, giving it their own meaning, they say that there is no necessity or there is no need to give God tithes and offerings because this is a part of the Old Testament. Whereas, in fact, tithes were never of the fruit or the product of the Old Testament. Tithes were present long before the Old Testament, and they found its place in the Old Testament, but they were never its product. And consequently, they were a product of the grace of God, in which a person could express his love toward God and acknowledge his authority. And when a person does not acknowledge the authority of God over himself, he begins to make up whatever he wants, saying that this is a part of the Old Testament, whereas in Scripture we don't see that tithes are a part of the Old Testament. Apostle Paul, defining this or comparing the Old Testament and the New Testament, says to the Hebrews chapter 6, and here tithes are brought by and the Old Testament are brought by those that are dead in the New Testament. They are given to the person who has immortality, or rather the Son of God. And of course, they give it to the person who represents in the church the fatherhood in the church. In each church, the pastor is called to be the delegated father representing God and a chosen face by the democratic vote, democratic paths, with these democratic instruments, will never be a representative of the fatherhood of God, because he does not shepherd the flock. He is shepherded by the brotherly council, whereas God, when he appoints a person, and this person appoints both the brotherly council and the rest, we must understand that the expression of our love toward God is honoring God in tithes and offerings, and upon this, searching for the countenance of God, because this is the main commandment on which is based all of the other commandments. This is the foundation for all commandments. This commandment was given in Eden for Adam and Eve. From the tree of knowledge of good and evil do not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you shall die. The tree of knowledge of good and evil was hallowed unto God. It is he who planted it upon the garden of God, along with the tree of life. And he said, Here are all of the trees, the fruits of all the trees you can eat, but from this tree you shall not eat. When God gives man something, he gives a right to act or to choose. This is called our sovereignty. And when you come across something that is hallowed, you shall be cursed. And of course, when God said, do not touch it, this is hallowed unto me, you know what he referred to under this tree. He referred to us, you and me, because he referred to his bride, 
this holiness is hallow and he put the land of Israel on their knees before his church calling it a Sabbath and telling them to honor her with tithes and offerings and if we do not honor God in tithes and offerings we do not have evidence that we are his belonging we must understand what tithes and offerings are we must always understand that if I am not a belonging of God, then so those who stand, who affirm that this is a part of the Old Testament, if you think that you should not offer tithes and offerings, then note that you are not hallowed unto God and are not His belonging. And your ministry, your service, is a part of the service of the synagogues of Satan. And you are marching into hell. Of course, people say, what is this? This can't be possible. Scripture says, thieves shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And if you steal from God, the prophet Malachi says, you will say, why are we disheartening you? Because you are stealing me from tithes and offerings. Offer all the tithes into the household so that my home may have food. And although in this test me, says the Lord of hosts, shall I not open for you the windows of heavens? And shall I not rain upon you the blessings abundantly? And you shall be called blessed by all the nations, because you will be a fruitful land, says the Lord of hosts. God will lead us to this kind of state and to this kind of state, those saints who honor him in tithes and offerings in relation to those who do not honor him. They will see this. Today, of course, they with neglect say there is no difference to honor or to not honor him. But scripture says that God hears all of this and God writes all of this in his book of remembrance. And at one point, he will show the difference between between those people who served him and between those who serve Satan, thinking that they are serving God. If you refuse to honor God in tithes and offerings, you do not serve God. You serve God who is called Satan, a challenger of God. We are going to honor God in tithes and offerings and express our love and acknowledge his authority over us. We will rejoice that we have this honor and this privilege to represent evidence that we are holy unto God. Let us stand and let us sing. <coughs> Worship without honoring God and without our offerings of tithes is not worship. Let us remember this. And I say this not for you, but I just give hope for those who are still yet still resisting this, who are going to see our service and perhaps will see and receive salvation and that they will finally accept for themselves. They will cut the root of all evil because the root of all evil is love for money. People try to justify themselves that tithes are a part of the Old Testament, whereas in fact that this is the root of all evil that they are worshipping. 
Each time Israel had honored God in tithes of and offerings, they were called to, according to the words of Moses, which he had received as a revelation from God, to raise their hands over their offerings and to proclaim one unique proclamation that they were faithful to in thousands of years. We, being that same Israel, tied to that same root, will do the same thing. Please raise your right hands, a symbol of your righteous action, and pray along with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I have separated the tithes from my home and brought them into your home so that your home may have food. I do not give impurely. I do not give in sorrow. And I do not give for the dead. I rejoice that I have the privilege to express my love and to acknowledge your authority in according to your word. I ask you right now, may your heavenly windows be opened and may your blessings come down abundantly upon your redeemed nation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated.
have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to remain in depth and one that has the wisdom of God and many other unfamiliar things, the commandments that God gives us and those things He expects from us. Matthew 5, 45 and 48 that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. Every time this place of scripture was read in my youth, because I as a child was in a church before my school uh, years, I often heard this place of scripture. I was about 12 years old. I knew the five chapters after Moses, but I saw how the pre uh, preachers, uh, how they preached this and they read this place of scripture and they interpreted it as God loves uh, the righteous and unrighteous the, the same. You see, he pours rain on the one and the other, the sun upon one and the other. That's how they interpreted it. But actually, this is God's love and it is selective. And His Son, upon the righteous, when it shines, it shines as a blessing for them. But when it shines upon the unrighteous, it burns them. And in Scripture, a, a drought is always the wrath of God. Those who were in Israel know what the wrath of God is. And when you, when I was where the Dead Sea is and where the city uh, is where the Sodom and Gomorrah was, you see like uh, how they undug uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and, you, and they 
and the Dead Sea, not a single, not a single grass, leaf, nothing. Everything is burned out completely. And people just uh, want to stay within the atmosphere of the morning because it is still a little cooler. If you can imagine what kind of curse lies upon that place, upon the unrighteous, the curse is still upon that place. When Jesus will return for reigning on this earth for a thousand years, rain shall pour again and the place will become a paradise and the weather will be normal. Again, gardens will be there and rains will come in their time. What I want to say is the scriptures uh, requires the clouds that are filled with water to pour upon the one and the other and God's love is selective and he loves his own and hates his enemies. He loves his church. He came for her and he loved his church and gave his life for his church, not for the whole world. He died for all the holy people that are in all the earth, but not for the world itself. The world is his enemy, which is why he said by the Holy Spirit through Apostle John, do not love the world and what's in the world. For everything that is in the world is the lusts and the sins of the flesh. The one and, and same Holy Spirit said, God so loved the world, but in other places says, don't love the world. That means we are incorrectly interpreting it. Uh, it is not for the reason, God's reason, but our reason of our mind, because we interpret with our mind and are tempting to and not with our heart. And so, linked to the path that leads us to perfection, we have been studying the path that leads us to God as to our groom in the symbolic story of the path of Rebecca to Isaac. And I've been studying the signs presented in the Bride of the Lamb. Rebecca presented these signs in the virtues of the lily of the valley upon which we are called to look because the bride will have these virtues that are in the lily of the valley that are unseen with the human eye. It's talking about the inner spiritual consistency of this surprising flower, upon which we are called to look with the eyes of our heart or with the eyes of faith, so that we can form ourselves into the image of perfection that is in the likeness of our Heavenly Father, because He also has these qualities of the lily of the valley. I am the Rose of Sharon, the He Himself has these qualities first, and Something new flows through him continually, this resurrection. What, as a lily, something flows through her, this process of resurrection, continual renewance. And so let us read this place of scripture, Luke 12, 27 through 32. This is not just considering the lilies. This is a commandment. This is a requirement without which we will be, be able to become perfect like our Heavenly Father is perfect, to look with the eyes of faith. Consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom is for the small flock, for the small remainder, the chosen, that will 
invest their, uh, their guarantee of salvation, their silver. Looking at this given regulation to look or consider the unseen process of life that flows through the lily of the valley with the eyes of faith, it is necessary. It is a necessary condition for obtaining the kingdom of heaven, giving us the right to dress into the perfection of our heavenly Father. But the kingdom of heaven is in those people that look at the unseen world with the eyes of faith. And this unseen world, this unseen eternal kingdom of heaven, the, and he gives us this example of the lily and the, and the raven, he shows us other examples, we will look at them also in, our, in, in a different time. But right now we're looking at the process of the life that flows through the lily. And for this purpose, we turn to the unique relationship of the most beautiful of women with her beloved in the book of the Songs of Solomon, where we see how the state and function of her heart, identifying the virtue of the lily of the valley, which which in her heart is the kingdom of heaven that has come in strength. Songs of Solomon 5, 2-5. I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. He knocks, saying, Open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I have taken off the robe. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door, and my heart yearned for him. I rose to open for my beloved. And my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh, on the handles of the locks. This allegory that is given, this is not something that is dir- uh, we can read as something uh, that happened literally, but as a an allegory, as a parable. We note that in the given place of Scripture, the dialogue of the most beautiful of women with her beloved Lord reveals the sacred relationship of the holy people and the coming meeting when the Lord appears in the air. This dialogue will serve as evidence that the holy people are ready for this meeting. Therefore, if we have truly loved the appearance of the Lord, then it will be necessary for us to uncover and examine ourselves as to whether we are ready to meet with the Lord in the air when He appears for those who are waiting for Him in salvation in their heart. And to reveal and identify the specific signs in the dialogue of the most beautiful of women with her Lord, serving as evidence that she is ready to meet her Lord in the air, We, thanks to the revelation of the Holy Spirit, studying these places of Scripture in Hebrew, present a more elaborate version. And that is, I am submerged by baptism into the death of my Lord. I sleep. I am submerged by baptism into the death of my Lord, in which I have died for my nation, for my house, and for my corrupt desires. But my inner person, I sleep and my heart is awake, but my inner person in the resurrection of my Lord is vigilant in prayer. Here is the calling cry of my beloved that by the knock upon my door proclaims the ability to use his right to power to reveal his strength in the works of righteousness. Now open to me my sister, overfilled with my peace, one that does not have evil in her heart, my beloved friend and one that is loved by me, incomparable with any, my dove, my pure one, one without blemish or wickedness.
because the authority that represents me sent by me to you so these <clears throat> these locks upon his hair on his head these are the authority that represents me sent by me to you is overfilled with the word of life and the power of my spirit and the power people that follow after them died for sin so that they may live for righteousness and perform righteousness this is talking about a church ahead of which a person of God stands, the delegated authority of God. This is the dude that I send to you. She responds, I have taken off the robe of the corrupt man with his deeds, collaborating my cross with the cross of Christ, and do not desire to be dressed in him anymore, because I have allowed my feet to be washed, admitting my sins before the sons of my mother. It's talking about our members of our church together, those that we communicate with. I also wash their feet, forgiving their sins, and do not desire to defile my feet again by sinning against the sons of my mother. This is what it means to wash our feet, to forgive each other as, as God has forgiven us in Jesus Christ. My beloved, as evidence of his love, that I have forgiven those who have sinned against me and have asked forgiveness from those whom I have offended. My beloved as evidence of his love has stretched out his hand to me by the offering which I presented, testifying of my respect towards God and called me to liberty from the dependence of my corrupt man with his deeds and has given me the strength to restrain my mouth and place a guard over my mouth because only a restrained mouth can control a person and my insides began to worry when he began to act and I arose from ruins of death by the power of his resurrection and I cast off my off of myself the burden of the old law so that the beloved would be able to carve upon the tablets of my heart the words of the New Testament that would be able to clothe me into his righteousness so that my mouth would be able to be filled with fragrant praise and the words of my mouth like myrrh would produce incense from the four horns of the golden altar of incense. Here's the elaborated uh, dialogue or version of the dialogue. And in this place of scripture, presented in, this, in the format of the dialogue, we paid our attention to five moments, and these are the most beautiful of women confessing her state as a whole. The response of the beloved to this state of the most beautiful of women, the first reaction of the most beautiful of women to the voice of the beloved the behavior of the beloved to the response of the most beautiful of women and the second reaction of the most beautiful of women to the behavior of the beloved. In the previous services, we already studied two moments and have been studying the third moment. In the third moment, in the words of the elaborated version, we see the response of the most beautiful of women to the revelation of God that she received through the latch of the door in the image of the dew and the drops. And we together have now understood that the latch of the door through which the beloved stretched his hand is presented yourself to God as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable for his service and to offer yourself as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God for the most beautiful of women or us it was necessary to take off 
of herself the robe of the corrupt man with his works. We note that the in Hebrew, the phrase, I have taken off the robe, means to take or tear off the skin from an animal while it is still alive. Therefore, the phrase, I have taken off the robe, means I have allowed my skin to be removed from myself so that in my sufferings I lose my former life. In this manner, before a person is dressed into humbleness, which will allow him to receive the ability to admit his sins before the sons of his mother, as well as forgive the sins of the sons of his mother, which the sins they committed against him, it will be necessary for her to take off the robe of the sinful self or the corrupt man. And to do this, it will be necessary for him when carrying his cross to collaborate with the cross of Christ because the truth about the blood of Christ purifies us from sin and in this way dresses us into the justification of Christ. At the same time, the truth about the cross of Christ separates us from the producer or factory of sin, this being our older corrupt man. Because when blood has the blood of Christ has purified us from sin, then the producer of the sins will uh, bring forth something else or something new. And we coming out of the church will, we just repented and the Lord justified me, I come out and I sin again. But the, this factory, this old man, this corrupt man himself, this is, that continually produces new uh, forms of sins, you destroyed those tanks, but the producer, the factory produced new tanks. And that is how you will suffer. You will come, God will justify you, but the old self will continually uh, offer new products and new tanks. And every new product will be a, a stronger as all of the, even examples in the world, how all of the... Uh, the uh, armor that is created is better and stronger. And so the same thing with the producer of the sin, he uh, gets better and better at what he does. We in a particular format have already looked at the essence of the cross of Christ and the essence of our cross and the difference between the cross and the cross, our cross and the cross of Christ, as well as based upon what principles is our cross called and able to collaborate with the cross of Christ because these are two different functions. If Jesus upon the cross took our sin upon himself, then we, carrying our cross with the cross of Christ, or collaborating, we trade destinies. We give to him our sinful destiny, and he dies for, with it, and we receive his purity. And so there is a difference in the functions. And stop to study the next question, by what signs are we able to determine that our cross collaborates with the cross of Christ and not its counterfeit? <clears throat> or something falsified. And today there are many of those. And such signs are to be fruits of righteousness, signs of us collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ, are to be fruits of righteousness or the fruits of resurrection in the fruits of the tree of life that bear fruit 12 times, giving its fruit each month. The key to the tree of life are the 12 pearly gates, as we know. And the result of the fact that we have 
These uh, pearly gates is the tree of life. We note that the image of the cross of Christ is presented in the 12 stones that were placed at the bottom of the Jordan, identifying victory over death, as well as the 12 stones that were taken from the bottom of the Jordan, identifying victory over sin in the flesh. And the image of our cross, <coughs> carrying our cross, we die for our nation, for our house, and for our corrupt desires, presented in the 12 stones from which the altar of the Lord was constructed. The 12 stones of the altar reveal the good goals and good motives of our heart. What do we seek? Do we seek God or what? what God has. And so this is the readiness and strive to know the will of God, the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The living sacrifice that is presented upon this altar is the means that is used to reach these good goals. The first living sacrifice that presented itself upon the altar, the altar in this case being the cross, as we know, is Christ himself that has opened to us with his living sacrifice the path to the inheritance contained in his precious blood. In the New Jerusalem, as well as in the Eden of our heart, which is the place of our communication with God, the image of the living sacrifice upon the altar of twelve stones are the twelve pearly gates, which reveal our abiding with Christ in his trials. These twelve pearly gates signify our abiding with Christ in his trials, is the key to entering the kingdom of heaven. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials. This is abiding, abiding in his trials, is continuing him, is being in these twelve pearly gates. And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Luke 22, 28 through 30. The kingdom of heaven, inheritance of eternal life, which is the Eden of our heart, in the image of the tree of life that bears fruit twelve times, giving its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations, we in a particular format have studied the names of the twelve patriarchs written upon the pearly gates. These names identify the requirements based upon which we are called to collaborate with the cross of Christ when carrying our cross, and that are the key to entering the kingdom of heaven <coughs> that is presented in our Eden, in our heart, in the tree of life. The kingdom of heaven is the tree of life that grows from the seed of death. We receive in the, uh, the kingdom of heaven in the form of a seed, and when it dies, it begins to grow, this tree of life. And so the twelve pearly gates in the unity of, is the unity of twelve virtues that the living sacrifice has, presenting itself a sacrifice to God. The twelve names of the patriarchs upon the twelve pearly gates is the unity of twelve principles placed into the foundation of our carrying our cross with the cross of Christ. The sign of collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ is called to become the result of resurrection that are identified in the inheritance of the blood of Christ in the image of the tree of life that yields its fruit twelve times, bearing its fruit each month. In the Old Testament, identifying the word new pointed to the image of the future that needed to be opened up in the New Testament, where a person received justification by the gift of grace independent from the law of Moses that produced wrath. And that's not all. Identifying the word new points to the resurrection of life that are revealed in the fruits of the tree of life that we are to be dressed into. We, in a particular format, we together have already studied the fruit of the Spirit presented in the image of the fruit of the tree of life that the tree yields in the first two months of the Holy 
holy year, and have been studying the signs and feasts included and noted in Scripture in the third new month of the holy year, in the month Sivan. Uh, the holy year consisted of 12 months, and all the things that happened, all the feasts that were in these 12 months, are the example of the fruits that we are to bear each month. And first of all, fruit of the Spirit presented in the image of the fruit of the tree of life in the third month of the holy year, in the ninth citizen year, was celebrated in the middle of May or somewhere in the middle of June. We note that in our situation celebrating the Pentecost is receiving the Holy Spirit into our heart, not as a guest, but as a, a Lord of our life that will allow us to bind ourselves to the Holy Spirit upon the conditions that are placed in Scripture to be led by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, and they are led. The Holy Spirit does not drag them, they themselves have binded themselves to him. A person that is not taught how to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord of his life will never be able to bind himself to the Holy Spirit, and understandably will not be able to be led by the Holy Spirit. In result, this person will lose their sonhood, that is their salvation. <clears throat> this is scary because millions of those who speak in tongues will go to hell and will suffer, suffer there because they receive the Holy Spirit as a great guest but not as their Lord. Receiving Him as a guest, you can't be led by Him and we think we are being led by Him but we are actually attempting that he obey us, we will tell him what to do, and he will fulfill what we desire. And all of our desires he will fulfill. That is how people understand lead, being led by the Holy Spirit. But actually, it's completely different. You can speak in tongues and still live by the flesh and be resistant to all that comes from the Spirit of God. Speaking in tongues is a spiritual experience but it does not make us spiritual and it does not change our sinful character because of the sinful conduct of our parents. For this reason, the cross is given <clears throat> who will not deny all that he has and will not take up his cross and not follow me, will not be able to be my disciple, will not be able to receive salvation, will not be led by the Holy Spirit. And for this reason, the cross is given that is called to separate for us from our nation, from our house, and from our life in the flesh. That is our corrupt man that produces sin. And linked with this, we came to the necessity to study a series of already familiar questions. Who is the Holy Spirit in his subsistence? And what role is he called to perform within our relationship with God? What conditions are to be fulfilled to accept or receive the Holy Spirit as our Lord? not as a respected guest, but as our Lord. By what signs are we able to judge that we, being baptized by the Holy Spirit, received Him not just as a guest, as many do, but as our Lord, as few do, as the chosen by God remainder receives Him? And by what signs are we able to judge that we are led by the Spirit of God and not our own spirit? 
or even worse, the spirit of deception. In a particular format, we already looked at the first question, who the Holy Spirit is in his essence, and what role he fulfills in our relationship with God, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and speaking in tongues. And we note that the main difference between the human spirit and the Spirit of God is that the Holy Spirit is God. At the same time, our spirit is the creation of God or his workmanship. The main principle of the collaboration of our spirit with the Spirit of God is clearly reflected in the first strokes of the book of Genesis. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And so the Lord shows how to worship here, what you need to do so that the Lord open up his heart and reveal what is in there. The Holy Spirit activated the Heavenly Father. He penetrated his heart and uh, waited with trembling. God will never reveal himself if you will not see it. Uh, trembling, uh, patience, and waiting so that he reveal himself. And when God reveals himself, the Holy Spirit immediately fulfills what he sees. This is a worshiper. We need to, same thing here, we need to wait to see what the Lord will reveal. This principle is while we continue to confess the faith of our heart, the Holy Spirit will hover over the faith of our heart, ready to immediately fulfill what is confessed, that faith of our heart. The revelation about the Holy Spirit and receiving Him as Lord is given to those holy people who study and follow the commandments of Christ within the order that is presented in the body of Christ by the means of the instruction of faith, pretty much those who possess the status of a student. Only students can come and wait and listen to what the Lord will say through that person that he has sent. And only he can explain how you need to follow these, follow these commandments. And only then will he give us the Holy Spirit as our Lord and not as our guest. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, John 14, 15, 16. That is why people who receive the Holy Spirit as a great guest don't have any comfort. Look at how many people today turn to psychologists and take pills from depression. <clears throat> they become addicted to this drug they can't sleep, they can't live I have depression, they say but here it says that those who follow God's commandments they love the Lord and those who love the Lord they will receive the Holy Spirit as a comforter they will not need antidepressants they will not need psychologists because the Holy Spirit will be their comforter Amongst any losses, amongst any uh, sorrow, <clears throat> the deeper be the losses, the deeper they will be, the, the, the more joyful they will be in God. Sometimes these um, unfortunate situations will actually reveal those rela that relationship you truly have with God. The greater pressure, the brighter the human heart shines. As we sing, the deeper 
the night, the brighter the stars. And so receiving the Holy Spirit as your Lord, who will battle in prayer by our side, happens when you receive baptism of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is the ability to speak or utter in tongues the mysteries of God, or the ability to restrain or discipline ourselves, and to lead the ship of our faith to eternal life. Speaking in tongues is the result of baptism of the Holy Spirit. The calling and purpose of the speaking in tongues as a whole is... <clears throat> to give us the ability to make real or belong to God by belonging to his nation, by the path of separating from our nation, from our house, and from our life. While this does not happen, we can sit in church, but we will not be a part of the church. We will be a part of a club, a religious club. Or a mausoleum or some kind of just gathering, but not a living body of Jesus Christ. If we have not separated from our nation, from our house, and from our life, the calling and purpose of the new tongue <coughs> fulfills its functions only when we understand its purpose and practice it within the norms that are written in Scripture. With all these, we note that specifically during the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive a unique and destiny-affecting ability either to receive the Holy Spirit in the form of our Lord of our life to then receive from Him and in Him strength to perform a complete and total separation or division from our nation, from our house, and from our corrupt desires, to then in the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit <clears throat> to bear to God the fruits of righteousness, this is leading a godly life that carries the power of the resurrection of Christ. Or to receive the Holy Spirit in the form of a dear guest and continue to remain in the dependence of our nation, our house, and our corrupt desires. And every time we go to church, we will sing, Holy Spirit, you are a guest of heaven. Invite him and then leave him when we go home. We note that those who think and teach that baptism of the Holy Spirit can be earned with good deeds, prayers, and fasts are people who do not obey the truth and are seen in Scripture as foolish. Therefore, these are foolish. Uh, therefore, baptism of the Holy Spirit will not benefit them. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift of God. The importance of, of the tongue in general, and especially speaking in tongues, is explained in Scripture in a specific way. <clears throat> Proverbs 18.21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Matthew 12.36.37, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Let us remember that a idle word is a word that is not in your heart. It's when we speak, I stand upon the word of God, I confess this as being my own. But if it is <clears throat> not within your heart, it's not written in your heart, then this means it's an idle word. An empty word that has no strength. And so when it's carved into our heart, the truth of God is carved into our heart, then when we confess these words, it's the living word. We will not be then proclaiming, Lord, it is written. I'll say, Lord, this is in me. This is my own. This is what I live with.
I confess the faith of my heart. That's when it will not be idle. And so every time we stand upon the word of God and proclaim it, those that are not in our heart, uh, these will be idle words. You confess these things either to be famous or to be materialistically prosperous, to, to either uh, have control over others, to have power over demons. You do not seek my face. You have not separated from your nation, from your house, and your corrupt desires. And so everything that you're speaking are idle words, and you will answer for these things, that you had attempted to uh, claim for yourself the things that are not yours. <coughs> the thing is, looking in Scripture, any contact and any communication with the Holy Spirit is possible and can happen exclusively by our born spirit that in nature and in in nature is in the likeness of God, that is God in God's placed order. And the order of such collaboration will be possible upon the condition if between our born spirit and our renewed mind there will be a growing conscious collaboration. Therefore, if our mind will not be renewed with the spirit of our mind, we will not be able to understand our born-again spirit, and in result we will not be able to be led by the Holy Spirit. And further, we will not be able to worship God in our spirit and have with Him a lawful relationship, and we will not be able to have a membership to the people armies of Israel. The word Israel is a worshiper of God. Second question, what conditions are we required to fulfill to receive the Holy Spirit in the form of our Lord? As it is written, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8. To be witnesses for Christ is to be a candle in the house and a city that stands upon a high mountain. This means to present his strength and his power which he received from the Heavenly Father. The character and nature of the power of the Holy Spirit when he descended can be understood and accepted only by understanding and fulfilling specific requirements which are in his statutes about celebrating the Feast of the Pentecost. The thing is, in the New Testament, the phrase, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you, is the only taken by Christ phrase in regards to the relationship God had with his nation within the period of the Old Testament. The difference between collaborating with the power of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the New Testament is that the, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came down only upon the prophets, priests, judges, kings, and Nazarites, and gave them power only at specific times and only for specific work. And when this work was completed, the supernatural power left them. But after the dissension of the Holy Spirit in the day of the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out into the heart of a man as his place of eternal abiding or living and fulfilling his work through these individuals in a specific time and for specific works, he continued to be not just with them but in them. In the period of the New Testament, the Holy Spirit no long, longer descended but was poured out, and not only upon kings, priests, prophets, judges, and Nazarites, but upon all flesh that received the Holy Spirit by the instructions in faith. 
In the New Testament, based upon the given place of Scripture, the phrase, the Holy Spirit descended upon them, was replaced with the phrase, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Judges 14.6, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon them, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand, but he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. In other words, he was not able to meeting a lion at any time tear him apart. If the Holy Spirit would not descend upon him, then the lion would destroy him. But when the Holy Spirit would come upon him, he would tear the lion apart as a young goat. You know the 12 spies, if you remember, as they were sent, the 12 spies Joshua had sent, they said, Uh, They said, if you remember, about the giants, they are in our eyes as locusts. How is it looking at these giants, they saw them as small little locusts. But the others were saying, we are the locusts in their eyes, and we cannot enter into this land. But the others said, we can, because the Lord is with us. Why did they see themselves great? They saw themselves in God, in the God of Israel. They saw the greatness of God. They were in him and they believed in his word and they saw themselves in the God of Israel as worshippers when the Holy Spirit comes upon a person he looks at sin as nothing he can destroy it and overcome it but when this does not happen then a person looks at sin and says Lord I can't I will not be able to stand the Holy Spirit descends and leaves in this situation and the Holy Spirit came down that means to make strong to make successful to dress into power to do what is useful for God Acts 4.31 and when they had prayed the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the words of God with boldness And so the word to be filled, the verb to fill with power, to dare, to finish or complete work and fulfill the will of God. And the most important here is the power they were given was to speak the word of God in or with boldness, to rebuke demons, to heal the sick, to do miracles and signs, to confront any form of sin and to fulfill the perfect will of God only by fulfilling them and this is a collaborative effort this is not some kind of sudden uh, sudden uh, miracle or incident this uh, as it happened at that moment as we read but here what it means the Holy Spirit is continually with you and you know the will of the uh, Holy Spirit you collaborate with him and consciously you do this not he but you with boldness begin to speak the Lord is living and my soul is living I will come out as victorious this sickness will leave me this dependence will leave me I will come out as victorious and I will still be free and sin again casts you into mud you stand up again and say 
I still will come out. And you come out, you confess and say, I will still come out free. And the day will come when you truly will become free, when you have grown the seed and become strong. And so the power of the Holy Spirit that the disciples received at the time of the dissension of the Holy Spirit was given to them for the purpose so that they would be able to speak the words of God with boldness. Boldness, as we know, is the lawful right based upon the power of the blood of the cross of Christ because of boldness which is identified as two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie we may have strong consolation boldness is the faith of the heart the revealing of and confession of the words of faith all of the miracles and all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are accomplished through boldness that are expressed in the words of faith. Further, studying the requirements of receiving the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of your life to receive His power that is revealed in boldness, confessing the words of faith. We came to the conclusion that looking at the conditions of celebrating the Feast of the Pentecost that is contained in the book of Leviticus 23:15 through 21, we needed to fulfill seven requirements presented in the celebration of the Feast of the Pentecost. And these are the two wave loaves. They need to be prepared from two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour. Together with the two new wave loaves, it is necessary to offer seven lambs of the first year. Third, together with the two wave loaves, it is necessary to offer one young bull and two rams. Fourth, it is necessary to bring the grain offering and the drink offering. Fifth, it is necessary to sacrifice one kid of the goat from the goat herd as an offering for sin and two male lambs of the first year as a peace offering. Sixth, the priest needed to bring all these things and wave them before the Lord together with wave breads and the two lambs. And seventh, to offer this offering is to be brought at the time of the Holy Convocation and at this time no customary work is to be done. We note that the celebration of any feast in the body of Christ is directly linked to offering yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God for His service. And as much as we know, the living sacrifice is that very same latch of the door through which God received the ability to stretch out His hand to us as a sign of His favor towards us by which we receive power and ability to bear new fruit to God that is in accordance to the nature of each new month that is included in the 12 months of the holy year. In a particular format, to receive the Holy Spirit as Lord and Master of your life, we have already studied the first three components presented as three requirements and stopped to study the fourth requirement. This requirement is the offering of the two of the two wave loaves together with the pour out consisting of wine, oil, water, salt and frankincense. Leviticus 2:13 through 16. And every offering of your grain offering you shall season with salt, and you shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacked through your grain offering. With all your offering you shall offer salt. If you offer a grain offering of your first fruits to the Lord, you shall offer for the grain offering of your first fruits green heads of grain roasted on the fire, grain beaten from full heads. And you shall put oil on it and lay frankincense on it, and it is a grain offering. Then the priest shall burn the memorial portion, part of its beaten grain, and part of its oil with all frankincense as an offering made by fire to the Lord. Leviticus 23.13 Its grain offering shall be two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made by fire to the Lord. For a sweet aroma and its drink offering shall be a wine one-fourth of a hin. 
And so all of these things together, we need to understand that each component included in the condition of the pour-out are linked to specific requirements. In a particular format, we already looked and studied the statute about the pour-out of wine and its example, which is the condition to receive the Holy Spirit as Lord of your life. The pour-out of oil as the fruit of the Spirit as an image of a living sacrifice in offering two new wave loaves is the instruction to receive the Holy Spirit as Lord and Master of your life, giving us the lawful right to be dressed into His power. Luke 24, 49-53, Behold, I sent the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. And he led them out as for far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. The function of the Holy Spirit when pouring the oil testified of our authoritic power to praise God and to be witness witnesses to God. <clears throat> Acts 1, 8, 9, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they were watching, he was taken up, and cl a cloud received him out of, this, out of their sight. Second, the function of the Holy Spirit when pouring the oil testified of the representing power of God to be addressed into the quality of a king. Pouring out of the oil testified of the fact that a person is dressed into the Holy Spirit in the function of a king. He can't be a king without being dressed into the Holy Spirit. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, that is David, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. 1 Samuel 16, 13, 14. We see here that being anointed as king happened by pour, the pouring of oil. 1 Kings 1, 39, 40. Then Zadok the priest took a horn of oil from the tabernacle and anointed Solomon. And they blew the horn, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. And all the people went up afar from him. And the people played the flutes and rejoiced with great joy, so that the earth seemed to split with their sound. <clears throat> when I read this in the original, what does it mean? That the earth seemed to split. That's the earth began to move. It was as if a small earthquake was happening. The power of God was present. There was such a, a strong uh, presence that the earth began to uh, uh, shake. And so this is what happened when a person begins to receive a royal, uh, these royal qualities, and when he begins to command to himself, then the earth begins to shake, his earth, his personal earth begins to shake, the soil of his heart, it begins to shake, that they have a royal spirit, if he said it, he will fulfill it, and there will not be any kind of deviation from that. If before you spoke and didn't, and the devil would laugh at you, but now when you speak, you will do. This is what it means to pour out oil. 
Third, the function of the Holy Spirit when pouring the oil testified of the representing power of God to be dressed into the quality of a priest. Exodus 40, 12 through 16. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and wash them with water. You shall put the holy garments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him and he may, that he may minister to me as a priest. And you shall bring his sons and clothe them with tunics. You shall anoint them as you anointed their father that they may minister to me as priests. For their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout the generations. Thus Moses said, according to all that the Lord has commanded him. So he did, Exodus 40, 12 through 16. <clears throat> we see that anointing, the Holy Spirit first anoints with the oil, and this anointing dedicates him to be a priest forever. But this is only when we receive him as our Lord. <clears throat> if we receive him as a guest, then... <clears throat> just kind of just, just like Laban did uh, Rebecca's father uh, he, he but he says that I didn't come here for to stay here but he gave them gifts and took Rebecca alone his goal was Rebecca and they said but maybe the young lady will not want to go with you and let us let us uh, call her and she never saw her future groom if you can and so Rebecca was the most beautiful uh, woman in that place at the time if you can imagine how many of those who uh, uh, how many men were interested in her at the time and suddenly they say will you go with this person to be married to his master to a man who is 40 years old to a person you've never seen but she may have been about 15, 16 years old at the time. They got married early there. And so Rebecca, she was a young woman who already was uh, matured, but she was no, no older than 15 to 16 uh, years old at the time. And she said, I will go. What does this mean exactly? Uh, even... They became surprised. Uh, he was praying, if you remember, that if, if when I'm here, he prayed to God and said in his mind, if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be standing here and I will wait for her, and when she comes out and offers to give drink to my camels, let me know that this is her. He was speaking in his, in his heart, in his secret room, in his thoughts, he was praying with God. And he didn't even finish praying. Rebecca comes out with a pot on her shoulder. And he comes to her and says, give me drink. And she quickly drew water she, she, and gave him water. And she said, I will give, you, give water to your camels as well. And she began to draw for them as well a camel that has passed through this kind of time uh, was extremely thirsty and she needed to draw at least 24 buckets of water and he was surprised watching her if you can imagine the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon Rebecca she satisfied the Holy Spirit what does this mean? 
This young woman, she knew the law well. At that time, the law wasn't written. It was passed on from from a father to the children, and it was all spoken. And they knew that Abraham was called out, and she knew that he was living in another land. And then she knew that there was a... And one heir for Abraham. And they asked her, will you go? And she said, I will go. That is what it means that when the Holy Spirit comes down or descends. Fourth, the function of the Holy Spirit when pouring the oil testified of the representing power of God to be dressed into the quality of the spirit of prophecy. A person received the spirit of prophecy. They didn't become a prophet, but they had the spirit of prophecy. They received into their heart uh, the Urim and Thummim, and, and this was the ability to speak with God, to hear God, and God hear him. This is what it's talking about. Revelation 19.10 And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. And when he says you will be witnesses to me, you will have the witness, you will be a witness of Christ, you will have the prophecy. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of prophecy. You will speak the word of God with boldness. You will understand what you're saying. The Holy Spirit will give to you what you what you must say. You won't speak of yourself. You will speak being inspired by the Holy Spirit. You will speak the revelations of God. Matthew 10, 40, 41. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward, and he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And so the spirit of prophecy will will tell you who to receive, will show you that this person is sent by God and that he is righteous and he is sent by God. And you will receive that righteous one that he appoints and you will receive the reward of this righteous one. People who receive their pastor and following after them will share the same reward, that same reward. The blind leaders will lead all their people however sincere they may be, but because they followed this blind leader, he will bring them all into a ditch. Hooligans that today are hooligans and call themselves pastors, the hooligans, uh, charismatic, there's a true charisma that is practicing of spiritual gifts, but this is not jumping like a monkey on the stage and running back and forth. This they consider as something uh, great or some kind of special spirituality. But, but if a pastor comes in on a motorcycle or something else, then they see this as the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Yeah, person has a gift, he speaks things, but he is, he is just a deceiver. And if you can imagine Jesus jumping up and down, coming in as a, on a motorcycle, jumping up and down, screaming, we see in him uh, great dignity, and Jesus didn't have these kinds of things. The nation would just stand and listen to what Jesus would say, and he would sit. But here we see the opposite. People sit, and he's running around the stage and showing some kind of so-called miracles of his. It's very dangerous and very unfortunate, and it's very dangerous to follow after such people. If you remember Jonathan, the friend of, J of David, he loved David and knew the anointing was on David, but he followed after his father and shared the same fate as his father. Be careful who you follow and who you listen to. 1 Kings 19.15-21 through here we see how Elijah found himself a prophet, Elisha. Here it's talking about the fact that Elisha himself was uh, with his oxen. <coughs> so he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing the twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the twelfth. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again for what I have what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. These people will not be prophets, but they will follow after prophets, and everything that the prophet says, he will be sounding in their heart. God will place upon their hearts the uh, truth into their heart, and the prophet will explain what is upon their heart. The fifth function of the Holy Spirit when pouring the oil testified of our ability to receive the, and differentiate the delegated person of God from the deceiver, as well as the revelation of the Holy Spirit, from all kinds of counterfeits, deceptions, and lies. 1 John 2, 20-27 But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all all these things. I have not written to you because you do not know these truths, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore let that abide in you with you as you heard from the beginning that what you heard from the beginning abides in you and also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you but as some anointing some anointing teaches, as the same anointing teaches you concerning all these things. 
And so there are many different functions, as we see now, of the Holy Spirit. Sixth function of the Holy Spirit when pouring the oil testifies of love for righteousness and hate towards lawlessness. Psalm 45, 7. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And so this oil, it allows you to hate lawlessness and love righteousness. The level of love for righteousness will be the same level of hate towards lawlessness. The level of, of the love towards God will be identical to the level of hate towards lawlessness. The seventh function of the Holy Spirit when pouring the oil testified of our power to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. And so there the oil was poured out, as we know. He's anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. When you will be preaching good tidings to the poor, they will understand. This is poor in spirit. Those who do not have poverty in spirit, they will not be able to understand you. It's not talking about physical poverty and physical wealth. David has had great wealth but called himself poor continually about Jesus. The poor called out and God heard him. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's this for they'll be heard by God. He has, and so these hearts, the, these hearts will be uh, broken by the person himself for the sake of the Lord. As Mary had broken the alabaster jar of with oil, and until we break our heart, and the Lord will not know whether we love him, whether we love him or not, and this happens when we die for our nation, for our house, and for our corrupt desires, for ourselves. This is the same as what happened with Gideon. 300 people that followed him, that he said, do what I do, take a pot and take a torch. And so they did the same thing, and the torch, and put the, they put the torch into the pot, and it continued to burn. And then he took and broke his pots, they, he broke his pot, they saw and they broke their, their pots. And what happened was that the uh, enemies actually turned against each other at the time and destroyed each other. When can we stand upon the works of evil and the powers of hell will step away when you break yourself? But this breaking of yourself or the breaking of your heart, the Lord says, I will heal the brokenhearted. Mm. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. And so the day of vengeance that 
will come for the unclean to comfort all who mourn to console those who mourn in Zion and to give them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness and planting of the Lord that he may be glorified Isaiah 61 1-3 that is what will happen when the Holy Spirit comes down. We will receive Him in this way. We will be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not that the Holy Spirit just took me and filled Himself, filled me. The Holy Spirit gives a revelation and we need to fulfill it and when we fulfill it it's not that people say oh the Holy Spirit fills me up oh and they feel this emotional rush in them it's not then being filled you remember how Jesus felt when he was on the cross he, as, when we as a living sacrifice give ourselves at that moment, you can't be in this kind of feeling of euphoria or <clears throat> you will be actually shouting out and crying out loud to God saying, Lord, where are you? <clears throat> Further, the function of the power of the Holy Spirit when pouring out water testified about our ability to pour rivers of living water from our heart. And so Holy Spirit, when he comes down and receive him as our Lord, then we will be able to pour out rivers of living water, that is the faith of our heart. He who believes in me, as the spirits, the scriptures say, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. John 7, 38, 39. In this situation, when talking about receiving the Holy Spirit as Lord of your life, this is practically impossible without instructions and faith where conditions are offered to a man, where he is called to die for his nation, for his house, and for his life. And to fulfill this goal, a person is called to walk in the footsteps of his father and tend or shepherd his goats next to the shepherd's tents. And to walk in the footsteps of your father and to shepherd your goats next to the shepherd's tents, our intellect needs to willingly submit himself into the dependence of the heart and turn from being the master or lord to being a servant. And that day Joshua made them woodcutters and water carriers for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord in the place which he would choose even to this day. Joshua 9.27 in the given command, we see the image of our renewed mind and that has willingly submitted himself into servitude to our spirit. Our heart, that is our new person, will not be able to pour rivers of living water without collaborating with our renewed mind. This is when the rivers begin to flow. When we speak, when we, we speak through our renewed mind, and our renewed mind will receive these revelations from our newborn spirit. This is where we will be able to pour out uh, rivers of living water. Faith, the confessions of the faith of the heart, it are the uh, rivers of living water. 
The function of the power of the Holy Spirit when offering salt testifies of our holiness where our relationship with God is based upon the covenant of salt. And every offering of your grain offering you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings you shall offer salt. Leviticus 2.13 Mark 9.49 and 50 For everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have a salt in yourself and have peace with one another. <clears throat> and so you'll be seasoned with fire and and seasoned with salt. That is, salt is a symbol of God's holiness. And Jesus answered and said, Are you able to drink the cup that I am able to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able, Matthew 20, 23, and you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. <clears throat> Colossians 4, 6 Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. You see, salt, holiness. During any offering, when you a person can't offer himself as a sacrifice, not being dressed into the, into the power of the Holy Spirit, a person offers himself as a living sacrifice. Why, why does it say if I give my body as a sacrifice because the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit is the power of God's selective love that abides upon a person and then he is able to offer himself as a living sacrifice, holy with the presence of salt. 2 Kings 2, 19-22 Then men of the city said to Elisha, Please notice the situation of the city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground barren. And he said, Bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source of the water and cast in the salt there and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From it there shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day according to the words of Elisha which he spoke. <clears throat> See what the salt of the covenant will do when we reveal holiness. The selective love of God through us is reve you revealing God's holiness. It separates light from darkness and lawlessness from righteousness. <clears throat> we ha have one more function. The function of the power of the Holy Spirit went off when offering frankincense presented a person as a fragrance of Christ that was confirmed by his confessions of the truth being undamaged. Pure frankincense is one of the components of the fragrance that was included in the spices for the incense testifying of our of the undamaged truth within the heart of a man. 2 Corinthians 2, 14-17 Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not so as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God we speak in the sight of God in Christ. True, uh, pure Lebanon, <coughs> pure frankincense is the ability 
to be a fragrance of Christ is being uh, offering this undamaged word or not peddling the word of God. <coughs> Hosea 14, 5 through 7. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall be spread, his beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. This is what will happen when a person will be dressed into the power of the Holy Spirit in the function of pure frankincense. Considering that our time is up, we will be praying and all those who desire to confront their fear, their sins, their dependences, their sickness, their nation, their house, their corrupt desires. The Lord is on your side. He is for you. He is not against you. He will not condemn you when you confess your sins. He will justify you. He will purify you. He will cast into hell your sins and will again give you the ability to start your life again in justification so that you would be able to receive the Holy Spirit as your the Lord of your life so that the Lord would be able to do great miracles through you specifically for you amen let us pray we wait for you right now I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you he is not against you his love is selective and it is directly for you, those people who come with the intention to confess their sins, to confess their weakness, to confess their destruction, these are the people that God justifies and calls His own. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God, a sign that you're ready to receive from God His justification. Pray together with me, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. I come to you with my sins, with my fear, with my shame, with my pain, with my sicknesses. I ask you to forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal me, cover my shame. I open up my heart. I accept you as my Lord and Master of my life. I receive your words to be my lamp. May it be upon me your healing and may it grow upon me in accordance to your mercy. May it be upon me and upon my children. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with a shining face and give you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May the blessings of the hills and the valleys be upon you. May you see God's great hand in your healing and in the healing of your children. May the Lord return your descendants to you, your children to you, under his shadow. And may your heart see these things and may they rejoice. May God be upon you and upon your children now and forever and the nation shall say, Amen.
And now, let us together proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.